Christmas night, 1946, in Lynn, Massachusetts. Lynn is a blue-collar city of 100,000 north of Boston with ethnic neighborhoods and a large General Electric factory. If you're a kid in Lynn, Massachusetts, you are glued to a radio broadcast. It's a football game from the Orange Bowl in Miami, Florida. Two high school football teams play for the mythical national championship. One of those teams is Classical High of Lynn, Mass. The other is Granby High of Norfolk, Virginia. Ozzie Gavain was nine years old in 1946, but he remembers that radio broadcast like it was yesterday. I was living down in on Holds Court. It's no longer there. We had it on the radio, and we were all, you know, interested in how Harry was doing in the Lynn Classical team. Lynn Classical's quarterback is a 17-year-old junior named Harry Aganis. He's a first-generation Greek-American who's known at Lynn Classical as the Golden Greek. Aganis would go on to star for Boston University and play for the Boston Red Sox. Then Harry Aganis would become the most tragic of New England sports heroes, dead at the age of 26. But on December 25, 1946, his star rises in the sky over Miami. Nine-year-old Ozzie Govain cheers him on from his home in Lynn, Massachusetts. Oh, he was a hero for everybody in the city. East Lynn, West Lynn, it didn't matter. He was an icon. He really was. He was a pure gentleman. He, he, there was nobody that didn't like Harry. Welcome to Championship Stories, a podcast about champions triumphant. I'm your host, Steve Morantz. It was written of Harry Aganis that in life he was the wholesome American sports hero, a Frank Merriwell type. In death, he was Achilles, the tragic Homeric hero. Richard Johnson is the author of the book, Unfinished Odyssey, The Life and Legend of Harry Aganis. He is also the longtime curator of the Sports Museum of New England. Johnson talks about Aganis at Lynn Classical High, where he entered as a sophomore in the fall of 1945, just after the end of World War II. He was a man among boys. He physically looked four or five years older than he was, and certainly played like it, too. He wasn't just strong. He wasn't just powerful. He was skilled. He, he was a beautiful athlete to watch. And as a sophomore, he was uh, a running back and sort of an all-purpose player in, in the backfield. He was not yet anointed to be quarterback of the team yet by head coach Bill Joyce. And he was anointed a quarterback of the team prior to his junior year. And he worked all summer honing his skills as a quarterback. He basically was still playing youth baseball, but he spent an inordinate amount of time on the, on the playgrounds of Lynn honing his skill, you know, honing his throwing skills as a quarterback. And of course, as a football player, he was a triple threat. He's a left-handed quarterback, a punter, and a defensive back. Aristotle Aganis was the youngest of seven children born to Greek immigrant parents. Aristotle's mother called him Ari, and soon enough he was known as Harry. Harry's father, George, worked in a leather factory while his mother, Georgia, attended home. Aganis was raised amongst a large extended family that surrounded him with love, good food, music, dance, and laughter. He's a very funny guy. Uh, he loved 
nothing better than to tell jokes and to sort of be loosey-goosey. He didn't take himself terribly seriously as an athlete. I mean, he certainly took what he did seriously, but not himself seriously. And uh, he loved to sing. He was in school plays at Lynn Classical. He played Captain Hook in a production of Peter Pan. Gannis led Lynn Classical to a record of 11-0-1 in 1946, with the tie coming against arch-rival Lynn English. The season earned Classical an invitation to play Granby High in the Orange Bowl on Christmas Day in a game sponsored by the Shriners to benefit crippled children. The game was almost really a de facto national championship game. I mean, it wasn't expressed exactly in those terms, but, you know, it was a big deal. The Granby high school team from Norfolk, Virginia, they played, was a powerhouse. They were heavily favored. Classical were really the blue-collar, first-generation immigrant kids making the 1,600-mile trek to Miami, uh, basically expecting uh, to sort of play David to uh, Granby's Goliath, and, and that's just what happened. The game drew 25,000 fans to the Orange Bowl. Granby High featured quarterback Chuck Stobbs and lineman Hank Foyles, blue-chip athletes who would go on to Major League Baseball careers. Granby had won 33 straight and had battered opponents with size and strength. With Aganis a quarterback, Classical relied upon speed and mobility. Classical's lineup had George Bullard, Dave Warden, and George Pike in the backfield. Up front were Nils Strom, Harold Potter, Captain Dick Crombie, Chipper Chaporis, Ray McClory, Bob Anderson, and Vic Pujo. Early in the first quarter, Aganis' left hand, his throwing hand, was badly injured. He couldn't grip the ball, and Granby intercepted his second pass to set up a touchdown. Classical came back with an 87-yard drive in the second quarter to knot the score at 7. Just before halftime, Granby scored again for a 14-7 lead. Classical drove 55 yards in the third quarter to even the score at 14. In the fourth quarter, Classical had the ball at the Granby 20. Granby guessed that Aganis would not throw with his injured hand, but Aganis drilled a bullet to Jimmy Varzakis at the three, and Varzakis went into the end zone untouched. 21-14. Final score. The game was brutal. Classical was penalized for roughing the kicker and unnecessary roughness while it held Granby to 66 yards. Aganis put up 248 yards with only 52 yards passing due to his injured hand. Lynn Classical was the mythical national high school champion. That victory basically establishes Lynn Classical as one of the premier you know, uh, high school teams in, in the country, and it sets up the fact that they receive an invitation to play in the same game the following year. And because they had played so well at the Orange Bowl the year before, the committee down there was really eager to get them back. And uh, there was a, uh, a string attached to that invitation. Uh, you, you can't forget this is 1947, and the game is being played down south. Lynn Classical's team in 1947 featured two African-American players, Paul Pittman and Tom Smith. Classical was invited to defend its mythical national title in Miami, but only if Pittman and Smith were not in uniform. At a team meeting, Aganis came out against the invitation. It's not right to exclude Pittman and Smith, he argued, and ultimately, 
Classical decided not to return to Miami. He was one of the ones who stood up and basically looked at the looked at the team and said, you know, we're all first generation immigrant kids, you know, so there were kids whose parents were from Greece, Italy, Scandinavia, and they all agreed that, you know, our people had been treated poorly too. And so why should we allow this committee in Florida to treat our teammates, guys who were part of our squad, to exclude them from this game? And so they, uh, they made their decision as a result. They were invited to Washington, D.C. by a, a group of uh, congressmen from the state of Massachusetts to basically be given a tour of the Capitol. They were treated like the young heroes they should have been treated like at that time for having done the right thing. Harry Aganis graduated from Lynn Classical in 1948 and went on to Boston University where he starred in football and baseball. He served a year in the Marines before graduating from BU in 1953. Aganis then signed to play for the hometown Boston Red Sox and made the team in 1954 as a left-handed hitting first baseman. In mid-May of 1955, he went into Santa Maria Hospital with pneumonia. He got out in late May, played two more games, and raised his batting average to 313. But then Aganis relapsed and went back to the hospital. He was still there when, shockingly, he died on June 27th from a pulmonary embolism, a blood clot in his lungs. Ozzie Gavain was 17 years old when Aganis passed away. I, was, I remember when I was working with my uncle and uh, building a, uh, an addition onto Sanders pharmacy down on Lewis Street and it was around lunchtime and one of the guys I was working with he came back and he asked me he said you know Harry Aganis I said yeah he said he just died I almost I almost passed out I said what he's a tremendous athlete how could he just die I knew he had was in the hospital and he was had pneumonia that's all we knew it, it, it was a shock I'll never forget it's like remembering where you were when you know, John Lennon got shot, or Kennedy, or the Twin Towers, any, that, that was that, that's what I remember. The reaction of the public was, you, you talk to people of a certain age, and they recall hearing about Harry Aganis' death in June of 1955 with the same gravity and sorrow that they remember hearing about John F. Kennedy being slain. And basically the sentiment was, gosh, if Harry Aganis could die at this age and you know any of us could die so it was a stark reminder of our universal mortality certainly and and the crowd that lined the route from the funeral in Lynn to the graveyard was over 30,000 strong I mean there were kids lined up little league kids lined up in their baseball uniforms policemen with their hats off I mean it was it was a big deal. It was basically like a state funeral in many ways. Yeah, I remember when it was lines all the way up and down the common around down Church Street. And, and he they had it for a couple of days there. You know, it wasn't like four hours and you're out of there like they do today. You know, I didn't state for a while, a few days. The Aganis legacy lives on. 
Boston University's multi-purpose arena is called Aganis Arena, and a statue of Aganis stands outside, while another statue is displayed at the Boston Sports Museum downtown. The Aganis Foundation has awarded more than $1 million in college scholarships and sponsors Aganis All-Star Games in several sports. At Lynn Classical High, Aganis is memorialized with a display of trophies, photos, and articles. His gravesite still is a place where people come and leave baseballs and baseball cards and caps, and he's still a very important figure in Massachusetts. Thanks for listening to Championship Stories. Special thanks to Ozzie Gavain and Richard Johnson for their memories and thoughts on Harry Aganis. You can find this podcast on all the major platforms, and if you do, please leave a rating. I'm your host, Steve Morantz, and I'll be back soon with another episode of Championship Stories. That team was a great source of pride, as was English high school, too. We can't forget them. But classical was really the cream of the crop. And so it became a community gathering place, a watering hole for the city of Lynn and a source of great pride. <laughs>